you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, Movement Church? Let's try that again. What's up, Movement Church? And what's up to those of you that are online? We're so glad that you're with us today. For those of you that are new here, we have just shifted this into shifted this into our studio campus as well. So we are recording right now for those that are tuning in online. So we're glad you're with us. So do me a favor. If you're here, present and alive and breathing, can you give it up for the people who are watching online right now? Come on. All around the world, billions of people tuning in every Sunday, and we're glad that you're with us. We're in week three of our series called PTSD. Everybody say PTSD. And this stands for post-traumatic strength development. Now, what we're not trying to do is minimize what PTSD actually stands for, post-traumatic stress disorder. We recognize the, the, the severity of that. In fact, the things that people walk through that cause PTSD are very real. But what we wanted to do is take a moment and, and try to figure out how do we move beyond 2020? How do we move beyond the craziness and, and the chaotic psychoness of what we've experienced the last 12 months. And we wanted to do a series all about developing strength, all about allowing God to help us shift from where we are to where we're going. We've been saying this every week, that God didn't create you just so that you could survive. He created you so you could thrive. In fact, our theme scripture has been from Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind. What I'm not trying to do is minimize the pain or the challenges that you've walked through over the last 12 months. But I am challenging you not to allow that to define you. Not to allow the the unhealthy new normals to, to stay very long. Some new normals have taken up residency in our lives, and it's time to shift that. And that's what the series is about. Like, how how do we pivot? How do we shift away from the the craziness and allow God to do something miraculous in our life? I want to dive into this. I've got a little bit of an illustration I want to use. Hopefully, it makes sense. And and if not, then, you know, that's a bummer. But uh, I want to pray for us today. And, And as I do, every time we pray before a service, I mean... I, I think about it. A couple weeks ago, my family was in town, and, and uh, my mom was like, well, are you, are you nervous about preaching? I said, sometimes I get some jitters. Sometimes I feel, you know, like I don't eat before I preach because I think I'd probably throw up. I definitely made the mistake of not using the restroom before I got up here, so it would be a very fast message tonight. Uh, but she goes, are, are you, do, you, do you know what you're going to preach? I was like, Mom, I think I've probably preached 6,000 messages in my life, I, more or less. I, I don't even know. But I don't even, you know, people forget messages. Don't shake your head so violently, okay? Wow, y'all are like, yeah, we do, every week. Are you still the pastor? I don't even know what's happening. We forget messages, but we don't forget the presence of God at work in our life. And that's my hope, is that when when you show up at, at the Movement Church, whether you show up here in this room or you show up online and tuning in, like here's what... 
I believe, we're, we're recording this on a Saturday night, but you're, you might be watching on Sunday morning, and the infinite God of the universe, the way he works, is he can show up right where you're tuning in, through your phone or your iPad or your television. And that's what I want. I want God to, to take the, the, the simple notes that I've put here on my iPad, but more importantly, I want him to, to do something in the confines of our heart and maybe mesh the difference between our, our heart and our head and, and take the, the knowledge that we have, the insight we have, but then fuse it with his purpose and his plan. And so as I pray tonight, what I would encourage you as I do, every time that we pray before a service is just let that be the posture of your heart that you're saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up the, the confines of my heart tonight to the possibilities of what God wants to do. And I know that some of you might struggle with that. So maybe, maybe you're not at a place where you want to do that. Well, maybe just give him 25%. And some of you are at a place where you need to give him 100% of your heart and just say, okay, what, what do you want to do? But we're just saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to do something in my life. Can we pray? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you are already doing the miraculous. We pray that you would work in and through me as I'm speaking, whether it's to those that are in this room or those that are tuning in online. And I just pray, God, that you would... Uh, make this make sense. But, but more importantly, God, I, I pray that you would show up in such a profound way that we would never, ever forget it. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I thought about telling a story tonight that uh, I've told before, and I almost didn't. It's not in my notes, but I'm just going to tell it anyways. Um, a, a few years back, I, I had a major organ removed. It's my appendix. Anybody in here have their appendix removed? Oh, it's a we got a club right here. Hey, y'all don't know what it's like. We are missing major organs. Uh, you have no clue what that. No, it's not a major organ. It doesn't even do anything anymore. And I had it removed, and and uh, I, I, they prescribed some some Vicodin to me uh, to manage the pain. And when I got home uh, from the hospital after being there for a couple of days, they wouldn't let me go home until I uh, farted in front of the nurses, which was always very awkward. But uh, I managed to do so. I get home, and as I get home, my wife is cringing up here. Uh, as I get home, I take the Vicodin at about 8.30, and about 10.30 at night, I get up off the couch, I hobble into the bedroom, I get into the bed, and I call my wife, Megan, get in here right now. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I said, get in here right now. She comes into the room, and I've got the blankets up. I said, get in bed. I need you to hold me. She said, why? I said, there are men in the bathroom, and they're trying to get me. She said, there's no men in the bathroom. I said, I know. <laughs> she holds me, and I fall asleep until I wake up at about 2.30 a.m. on my back porch butt naked, <laughs> looking for the men who turned the sprinkler system on in my backyard. As I left the house, the door beeped due to the alarm system, and it woke my wife up. So she's coming out to meet me as I'm coming in, and I kind of do this, like, what are you doing? She goes, what are you doing? Said, there are men trying to get me. I said, get back in your room right now. And it dawns on me, they're not in the backyard, they're in the garage. They turned on the sprinkler system from the garage, so still naked. I creep into the garage door, and I, I, I prop it open ever so slightly, and I'm looking out, and about right here, it dawns on me, there are no men in my house. Drugs are bad, I'm good. <laughs> 
Needless to say, I only took Advil from that point on. I've never taken Vicodin ever again because under the influence of these drugs, there is a lie being told to me that there are men in my house trying to get me. And because I was under the influence of these drugs, I actually believed it. And so many of us are operating in a new normal right now under the influence of some lies that the enemy's been whispering to you. And that's what this series is about. In week one, we talked about replacing the lie with the truth of God's word. And in week two, we, we talked about actually digging some truth trenches to, to, to repattern and rewire our minds so that we could walk in the victory like David shared a moment ago, walk in the victory that God has given us. And tonight, I want to talk to you about reframing, like reframing the scenarios that you're walking through. In Proverbs, the writer in the scripture says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a great passage to have memorized, to put up on the mirror in your bathroom, near the refrigerator, on your cell phone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He goes on, listen to this. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment. Everybody go, refreshment to your bones. The writer is communicating that when we're left to our own devices, we get into trouble. When we're left to our own thinking, to our own understanding, we get into trouble. My understanding and my wisdom pales in comparison to who God is. When I trust him, what does it say? It brings healing to my flesh and refreshment to my bones. And it has everything to do with what I'm looking for. Everything to do with what I'm looking for. I'm immediately thinking of the U2 song. And I still haven't found, come on, what I'm looking for. But contrary to Bono's theology, you actually will find what you're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for in life. And there's two different types of birds. There's a vulture, and there's more than two different types, (laughs) just so you know. I don't know why that fact came out. Vultures have an ability to find dead carcasses from miles and miles away and can hone in on it, smell it, and attack it and eat it, while hummingbirds have an ability to find nectar. In fact, hummingbirds memorize every flower in their patch of a field and know when the nectar has replenished it, and it's able to find it, swoop in, and remove the sweet nectar. Two different birds both find exactly what they are looking for. And I just think that too often we found what we're looking for and it's creating a life we were never created to live. Last week we talked about the RAS filter, the reticular activating system that filters all of our thoughts because every time we think it creates a neural pathway. I have a video, went on a hike with my wife last week and, and look, look at this, this pathway that that has been created because it's been, not that pathway, there it is. It's been created because over and over and over again, somebody has walked down this path or ridden a mountain bike down this path or cleared out this path. And so clearly there's bushes and shrubbery. In fact, there's a bee's nest right 
here. I freaked out. I could hear bees humming. And, and this pathway has been cleared because it's been used over and over and over again. And the same is true when it comes to our thoughts. The thoughts that we think, when we continue to think them over and over again, it becomes easier for us to think those thoughts. And that's exactly what's happening in our life. We're constantly rehearsing the thoughts that are creating a life we were never meant to live. And they become effortless for us. And we talked about this in week one, but a lie believed as a truth will affect your life as if it is the truth. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's truth. It's happening right now. I mean, there's uh, 14,000 people in this room, and, and some of you are thinking, man, this is the best message I've ever heard. Thank you, Joe. That's why I pay you the big bucks. And others of you are thinking, eh, I'm kind of excited about dinner. Don't laugh too hard. Settle down. Two different people can walk in the room and experience a worship journey like we just did, and man, God moves powerfully in their life, yet others can sit there cold-hearted and callous and think, man, it's good music, but I'm ready to go. We, we get what we're looking for. We experience what we're searching for. And the frames that we look through create the picture that we see. My wife is, is great at looking for the silver lining. That's why she married me. It's like, yeah, maybe he's got some potential. <laughs> like, she's the one, like, if your hand got cut off, she's like, but you still have your other one? Isn't that awesome? It's pretty amazing. If it's a horrible day, she'll sing, the sun will come out tomorrow. Come on. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Come on, one more time. There'll be sun. That's enough. She's great at this. In fact, it's a natural gift mix. Sometimes it makes me angry. I'm like, just be angry. She's like, I can't. I love smiling. It's my favorite. <laughs> and the frames that we look through actually create the picture that we see. And the challenge is the picture that we see rarely is a picture of reality. Let me say that again. The frame that we look through creates the picture that we see. And the picture that we see rarely is a reflection of reality. So let's look at some frames that we, we look through in life. The first one I, I wanted to bring to our attention is the frame of negativity. Like, like some of us are really good. At, at, when we look at life, it, it's through the, the lens of pessimism. And pessimism, my friends, let me just encourage some of you who are pessimistic in here. It can be healthy in moderation. But, but if we look through the lens of, and the, the, the frame of negativity on an ongoing basis, it actually has health complications for us. It's associated with anxiety and depression, sleep disorders, hostility, high blood pressure, and heart disease, and, and the list continues. And so there are some of us that are pre-wired to have a pessimistic outlook on life, and I'm not attacking who you are, but I am saying that you choose the frame through which you are looking at your life right now. And if it's through the lens of the glass is half empty, I'm not sure there's actually a, a good outcome that's going to take place here. I'm just not sure. Maybe this is as good as it's going to get. If you have difficulty finding joy in life, you might be looking through the frame of negativity, and you're going to find 
negativity. Remember, we talked about last week, the RAS, it, it filters our, our thoughts based on what we actually believe about our world. So, so it actually filters our thoughts based upon our, our existing belief about God, about people, about our world, but it also rejects and denies thoughts that don't align with our beliefs. So if you're looking through the frame of negativity, you're going to find all the crap. Yeah, I can say crap. I'm the pastor. It's fine. Some of y'all got really upset about that. Just email me tomorrow. That'd be great. <laughs> You're going to find what you're looking for. Others of us, we're looking through the frame of fear. Man, fear was exasperated in 2020. I keep hitting my forehead on this thing. It, 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 was, it was magnified. In fact, all of the things we were communicated about, fear was the underlying thread to motivate us. It was the message. And fear is damaging. It, it, it can seem like negativity, but it's slightly different. Fear will lock you in a mental prison and throw away the keys. Fear will, will paralyze you from doing the things that you know you can do, you should do, you should say. You shouldn't say, and nobody will know, because we look through the frame of fear. It's the worst case scenario in every situation. It's the pervasive feeling of anxiety. And if you're looking through the frame of fear, you're going to find it. So what are the fears that we struggle with? One of the fears, obviously, probably the greatest fear most people struggle with is the fear of failure. And there are some of you in this room, some of you who are watching on camera right now, and, and, and there are things that you won't try simply because you're terrified you'll fail at it. Like, I, you, you know you could, but the what if, it's like, it's like handcuffs. And, and then what, what do we do? We allow this fear to grow because we're looking through the frame of it. And so we're feeding the fear. And fear doesn't just go away on its own. It grows and it festers and it grows and it festers. And it limits you in the prison of marginalization. To, to, to think about this. We, we marginalize our life. So many of you in this room, some of you who are watching online, you, you found the MVP for your life, the minimum viable product, the, the, the bare minimum for me to get by. You found out how to make the right amount of money so that you can be okay, but just to push it beyond that, man, that's a risk I don't know if I'm willing to take. You do the same thing with calling and with faith and with marriage and with relationships and with friendships and fear is the frame that I'm looking for. Maybe it's the fear of rejection. That's such a powerful one right now. And I'm not talking to teenage kids. I'm talking to you and you. 
The fear of rejection is such a motivating factor in our life. I'm so afraid that I, I'll be rejected by someone that, that I actually don't build new relationships because I don't know if, if I can trust you yet. Or I limit the depth of my friendship because I'm afraid if you actually see the real me, you will reject me. I mean, this happens in the, in the lives of 40-year-old men, 35-year-old women. There's no age where you grow past the fear of rejection. Why? Because we're so afraid. We look at every relationship. And, and usually this fear is a construct of our past. Past experiences, and then we project it onto the relationships we're currently in. So afraid that if uncovered, if people see the fullness of who I am, they'll walk out, or the relationship will go stale. Another fear is, I think this is probably the biggest one, it's the fear of the unknown. The unknown, and, and you, everyone in this room, you have an unknown in your future that you know about and it keeps you up at night. You, you have an unknown that you're thinking through right now and you're just not quite sure of what to do and, 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 and some of you haven't even spoken about it because you're afraid to get it out in the open because if other people talk about it, maybe it's as scary as I think it is. There's an unknown, what, what, what's the unknown in your life? We, we, we look at it through, through the frame of fear, and then we give it power it never deserved to have. Maybe you won't take risks because you can't control the outcome. Isn't that what the fear of unknown really is? It's my attempt to control everything in my life. Whew. Isn't that one of the reasons that we build social constructs in our life that we can fully control? The friends that I allow in, the people that are okay in my world, I know exactly what I'm going to do at church and what I won't do, and here's what I'm going to do at work. I build this world, and we build relationships based upon our own biases, because we're afraid if anybody comes in and ruffles the feathers, you, you probably are good friends with the people who have the similar political persuasion as you. If you think about that. We're not going to talk about politics. Set it down. Set it down. And so we, we build a social construct. In other words, we control what comes in and what comes out because I've got to be in control because if I'm not in control, the unknown is overwhelming and I'm afraid of what could potentially happen. All because I'm looking through the frame of fear. Another frame that we often look through, and this, one, this one's challenging for us to be honest about. In fact, most of us would say, no, no, that's probably not me. And you're probably right, it's the people sitting next to you. So just let them, <laughs> nudge them right now if they need this. And that's the, the frame of, of pride. Pr pride and arrogance are two different things. Arrogance suggests that my self-worth is greater than yours. Pride is different. Pride suggests that I don't need anyone else. If I struggle with pride, then when I'm struggling, I actually don't call people. Because I, I've, I've got this figured out. Or I don't want you to see the junk in my trunk. <laughs> I had to say it. I had to, I'm sorry. 
Pride suggests I alone know what's best for me. That's what we walk through the lens of pride in 2020 when we face the, the, the evolving and ever-changing problems in our world. Politics, race, will you wear a mask or not? Will you get, are you a vaxxer or a no-vaxxer? Like the words we're talking about sounds like a post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Like this is the city for those that have had vaccines. They have extra tails and more ears, and this is the no-vaxxers, and they've got AR-15s coming out the wazoo, and here's the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Cops Lives Matter, and if I keep going, y'all will start to get uncomfortable. Some of you only saw Joe Biden's face on this, and you're freaking out about it right now. Some of you saw Trump's face, and you're thinking, what is this church standing for? See, the laughter faded there. And all of it was perpetuated because we failed to actually listen to outside perspective. I know what the problem is, and I know what the solution is. Let me tell you about it on Facebook. Because everyone reads a Facebook post and instantly changes their mind. Like, yeah, oh, totally. What was I thinking? Thank you. My dad, rest in peace, was the best at that. He would just be like, Dad, take that down right now. Or don't put me as your son on your Facebook page. <laughs> Pride suggests that weakness is an unacceptable trait. That, that's like America right there. Weakness is an unacceptable trait, but pride over time, becomes gangrenous to your soul. It it, it literally kills you. I mean, you look through the scripture and and the people who made the most epic failures and and, and lost the fullness of what God had, looked through the frame of pride, and it stopped them. God can work through sin. He's been working through sin for millennia. He can never work through pride. One of the chief characters in the Bible, his name was Saul. He was the first king of the children of Israel, and God chose him. And he got to this place where he was supposed to wait on the prophet to do this specific ceremony, and Saul got impatient. He's like, you know what? I'm the king. I got this. And he went through the ceremony, and then the prophet shows up right then. And God says, tell him that he's no longer the king, and nor will his family ever be pride. That's like 30 years of biblical history in 60 seconds. Pride. And some of you right now, you're looking at life through the frame of pride. And you know what? God's trying to get through, but he can't because you've got it all figured out. And here's the challenge about these frames. These are created by the thoughts that we think. And they're so normal, like the pathway we saw a minute ago, that they seem right. It makes sense, which means you probably don't even realize you're looking through the frame of fear or pride or negativity, which means 
you need outside perspective too. You need somebody in your life who simultaneously loves you unconditionally and is unimpressed with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm unimpressed with you. <laughs> now, now tell them you love them too. Tell them. <laughs> you, you need somebody in your life who loves you unconditionally but is like, you're, you're not that awesome. <laughs> Let me show you. You're looking through the, the frame of pride right now. Settle down, bruh. Hey, that's why we do connect groups. It's a place where, where we go, hey, let's just set down the frames. Let's just be authentic with who we are and, and know that God's going to get in the middle of it and help us see clearly. So how do we do this? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's time to reframe. Turn to somebody and say, reframe. My, my wife is great at this. Like I told you, you cut your left hand off. She's like, no, but your right hand's awesome. <laughs> my daughter has inherited this same gene from her. She, she's the greatest reframer on the planet. Like wherever she walks, confetti just shoots off in the air. <laughs> Alpacas like prance right behind her. It's amazing. And they're kind alpacas. They don't spit. And uh, I just got back in town. I was out at a round table this past week with some pastors. And I was so excited to come home and see my kids and my wife. And I was texting all of them, hey, I can't wait to see you. And so I texted Avery, hey, Avery, I miss you, babe. I can't wait to see you. Throw this, this picture up for me if you can. This is my text thread. Hey, babe, can't wait to see you tonight. Hey, dad, I can't wait to see you either. But here's the thing. I'm sleeping over at Lila's house, and I, I, and I am, I won't see you till Saturday, but that just makes me even more excited to see you. I love you. I miss you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday. Love you. Love you. I was like, that is awesome. Dad, here's the thing. And that's exactly what we need. We, we got to reframe. In other words, we've been living a life of looking through the framework of pride or negative. I mean, you, you decide, what you know your own challenges, and maybe if you don't, come ask me after service, I'll tell you, but <laughs> we got to reframe. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul was so good at this. He's one of the chief writers of, of the New Testament, which is the, the second half of the Bible, and God used his wisdom, and the Holy Spirit was breathed life into it, and it's just words that still make a difference in our lives today. And, and, and Paul was desperate to go to Rome. And Rome was such an important city. It was the capital city of the known world. And he's like, I'm going there because if I can preach the gospel in Rome, we can literally turn the world upside down. And Paul finally gets to Rome. But he didn't show up on a, a sailboat with trumpets blasting, the apostle Paul is here. The known world will finally hear the gospel. No, he was a prisoner. He showed up in chains. The Bible says he was chained to a prison guard and they were on an eight-hour rotation, like nonstop. And the prisons weren't beautiful prisons. But he had this ability to reframe. He could say, I mean, this sucks. What? I mean, God. We're trying to get to Rome, God. I can't go to the Coliseum and preach if I'm in Prison. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> Kids are like, this is awful. I'm going to die. It's over. Look what he said in Philippians chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, 
that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that he has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. I don't know if you've been to prison. I haven't. This would be a challenging reframe. But Paul goes, no, the gospel is advancing. The gospel is advancing. So what do we do? When we want to look through the the frame of of negativity, I know this is going to blow your mind, but maybe we should just choose some positivity. That we we choose to look for the silver lining, like my, my daughter Avery. I can't wait to see you too, Dad. But here's the thing. I'm staying the night at a friend's house, but man, on Saturday, woo! We're gonna party. And you know what? Some of you right now, probably not you in the room, just you online. Some of you are thinking that sounds silly and juvenile. And maybe you need a little silly in your life. Maybe you're taking yourself too seriously. Hey, cynicism isn't attractive. I know, because I'm really good at it. Anybody else in here cynical? Raise your hand so I can feel, thank you. Thank you. Scott, put your hand down. You raised your hand way too high. (laughs) You you created a neural pathway in your life by, by thinking on and focusing on the negative, which means you can choose to think on and focus on the positive. You chose that pathway. You created it and you recreated it and you made it so easy to walk down that those thoughts become natural. So it ain't gonna be easy. It's gonna take some work. But look to your neighbor and say, you can do it. Look at what the writer says in Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know what I love about the, the writers and Psalms is they, they show the, the frailty of humanity. He doesn't say the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart are acceptable to you. He said, he's saying essentially, help me with this. That's why he concludes that verse with my rock and my redeemer. In other words, God, I'm going to need your help with this. But let the, the words of my mouth, so look at me for a moment. What are the words you're speaking right now? Like, like what, are you, what are you talking about with your friends at the proverbial water cooler at work? What, what, are you, what are you meditating on? Remember we talked about this last week, that word meditate, ruminate, to chew on? Yeah. Swallow it, regurgitate it, and chew on it again. I told you last week, this is true, I, I'm not on social media. I haven't been for a few months. I don't even know how long it is. And I don't, I don't watch the news. I figure if something really bad happens, somebody will tell me. <laughs> and you know what's awesome? My life right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the stuff that isn't positive. Are you tracking with me? Got nine seconds left. You know what helps that? Is gratitude. Like, what are the things you can be thankful for? Some of you need to make a list, even if it's just one thing, and ruminate on that. 
What's, what's the things you're grateful for? It, it could be simple. But gratitude shifts the framework from negative to positive. I'm just going to choose to be thankful. Listen, reframing isn't ignoring the problem. It's removing its power in your life. So I'm not saying you ignore the problem. That's why my dad handled cars when we were growing up. It's like, engine's making a loud, dad, that's not good. Oh, just shit, it'll go away. Never. Every vacation we went on, the car broke down. You ever squeeze six kids and two parents into a tow truck? You haven't, I promise. If I ignore it long enough, it'll go away. I'm not saying ignore the problem. I'm just saying don't let it have power in your life. So maybe you're facing some financial, some financial crisis. And you're thinking, how are we going to dig out of this hole? Maybe the thing to be grateful for is that you haven't lost everything yet. And maybe you're in a marriage that feels like it's hopeless. Like there's no way we're going to get to a place where it's actually healthy and it's actually working. But, and maybe you're not where you want to be, but maybe you're a little bit further than where you used to be. And that's a good thing. What's the positive in the scenario? And can I just suggest something else? Joe, Israel, come up here for a minute. Some of you might need to get some new friends because you're trying to get this positive frame, but hold that up. But your friends, hold that up, are holding up the negative frame. You're trying to see through this one, but your friends are just talking about the crap and the garbage and the problems. And you're like, I just, I want to like life again. And your friends are just, that's exactly what they're, no, I'm just kidding. Some of you might need to get some new friends. Some of you might need to stop calling your mom every day. Some, somebody just got freedom. Y'all felt that. Let's just pray and conclude. You can set that down. Y'all give it up for Joe and Israel. They're not negative friends. They're good friends. I'm just saying, like, 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 like help, add some value to your life by, by getting around some people who are going to be positive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to choose to be like Avery. Like, here's the thing. I'm not able to see you today, but tomorrow is going to be so great. Are you tracking with me? Maybe you, you need to swap the frame of fear with the frame of trust. And you don't have to start, listen, if, if, this is, if the frame of fear is kind of like your MO, you don't have to start by trusting people yet. That's okay. Can I give you permission? Where you start is by trusting God. You start by trusting God. I mean, think about the scripture that we read. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Isn't that interesting that the writer said all your heart? Why, would the, the, why wouldn't the author say trust in the Lord with your heart? Because we have a proclivity to give God and or people only the portions of our life that we can trust ourselves with. And so maybe for you, this step is just choosing to trust God with your whole heart. 
And you know what that might sound like? God, I'm facing a scenario that I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna trust that you have a solution. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. He will make straight your path. Listen, you you built a life charging down the neural pathway of fear, leaning into your own understanding. You got a plan, a perfect plan for everything. You got everything planned out and organized because you're so afraid of the unknown that you've got to create knowns in your world. So when fear keeps resurging, just shift to the frame of trust, which might mean, you know, if I experience failure, it's okay. It won't be the end because God is for me. If I'm I'm experiencing rejection, I, I don't lose value because God chose me. When I face the unknown and and I'm not sure what the circumstance will be, it's okay. I won't fear because you know everything. You know the end and the beginning. That's why the scripture says he is the alpha and omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And my favorite passage says he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Because he's already written or knows the last chapter of your life. And it's for your good. So I can trust in him. This last one's difficult. If you're typically looking through the frame of pride, the frame for you is vulnerability. And this is a, a cringy word for most dudes. I don't know, vulnerable, it sounds weird. It's just difficult for most people because we, we have created a life here in the States where I only show you about 20% of my real personality. I mean, you ever ask somebody how they're doing and they're like, oh, I'm doing horrible, today sucked, and the last week's been pretty bad too. No, they're like, oh, I'm fine, even if their life is falling apart because we don't know. It's weird to say it's not good right now. Because people are like, oh, I don't know. Right? And we, we hide behind the frame of pride. Maybe, maybe it's just the notion of, Well, I've been burnt in in previous friendships or relationships, and I don't know if I want to trust again. It's just remembering that you probably burnt some people in previous friendships or relationships too. Maybe it's it's not going to be easy, but I'm just telling you, you might be on a neurological pathway to destruction, and you might just need a little vulnerability. It's realizing that you're at your best when you're around godly people. You're at your best. When you're around godly people. And it's not suggesting that God hasn't given you wisdom, because he has. But it's just suggesting that outside perspective adds to my life, it doesn't take away. Outside perspective adds to my life. And that doesn't take away. And here's the other thing to remember. 
that sometimes I'm strong and sometimes I'm weak. And that's not a problem. What did Paul say? 2 Corinthians 12. God said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. This is God speaking to Paul. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. So therefore, once I heard that, this is Paul talking now, I said, let it happen. All of the challenges of life, I quit focusing on the handicap. I stopped looking through the frame of fear, the frame of pride. I stopped looking through the frame of negativity because I realized that in my weakest moment, God is at his strongest. And so I said, bring it on. Listen, no big deal. You bring on calamity. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer, he said. That sounds insane. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. But what are the frames that you're looking through right now? What are the frames that are building and framing your life? I don't know what it is, but here's what I can tell you is it's time to reframe, to build some new neurological pathways where God reframes the fullness of who you are, and more importantly, where you're going. Let me just take a, a moment right here and do something I do every week. Because if you're trying to reframe your life and you haven't begun a journey with Jesus, you're missing the key component. And there are people who are in this room, there are people who are watching online, and you just need to start the journey with Jesus today. It's not through thinking great thoughts, it's not about being a member of the church, it's just simply saying yes to him. And there are two groups of people who are in here and watching, those of you that have never begun the journey, and listen to me, those of you who may have begun a journey, but you've been running from him. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to invite you to join me in that prayer. Would you do me a favor, heads bowed, eyes closed, we want to have a holy moment right here, right now. That's you, and you need to pray this prayer for the first time, or the first time in a long time. Why don't you just repeat this after me? In the quietness of your heart, or a small whisper, just say, dear God, I know you love me. I know you chose me. I know you have plans for me. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.